Good morning. If you don't know who I am, I am Pastor Ralph's wife, Susie, um, and I have the privilege of speaking to you to the, this morning about, can we put up This Is Us? Um, we're doing a series of teaching on a specific scripture. I feel like God has really spoken to our church. And I have to tell you, I don't know when I have ever been as nervous as I am today. I have... I don't know what it is except for I think probably I feel like this is such an important topic and I want to do the Holy Spirit proud. So I'm just going to stop and ask my friend, the Holy Spirit, to be with me. Oh. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you never leave me. And I believe that you have instructed me and given me a word for this house this morning. And I take all of me, all my fear, all my trepidation, and I set it aside, and I step into you. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to start by reading Isaiah 54. God has been speaking this scripture to our church the last couple of years. And, okay, good. <laughs> Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You are going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Legacy, this scripture is us. It's who God has called us to be. It is who we are, and it's how we've gotten to this place. It is what makes us tick, and we need to be intentional and purposeful about keeping this scripture in the forefront of our minds. If we can go to the next slide, we will think big with open hands. We will go deep into God's word. We will make room for others. And we will reach outside of our walls. And the topic that I'm going to speak about has to do with the line in the scripture that I read that says, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep, or go deep into God's word. When the pastoral team decided that we were going to teach on Isaiah 54, I volunteered for this topic. I volunteered for go deep into God's word. And a day later, I was saying to myself, what were you thinking? <laughs> How in the world do I create an atmosphere of excitement so you guys will read your Bibles? I mean, how? I, we all know that we should do it, right? And you want your children and you want your grandchildren to know God's word. In fact, if you're a brand new Christian, you should be reading your Bible. But if you've been a Christian for years and years and years, you should be reading your Bible. It's really important that we are into the Word, but it's more important that the Word gets into us. So how do I talk to you about this without boring you to tears and just say, I'll just read your Bible? How do I do this without lecturing you and making you feel guilty? How do I get you to fall in love with God's word like I'm in love with God's word? 
like I know many of you are in love with God's word. How do I express that? And as I was meditating and praying, a scripture came to mind. If we can put up Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is what? Alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and spirit, or your God-man. It exposes your innermost thoughts and desires. God's word lets you know what is the world's way of thinking and what is his way of thinking. For the word of God is alive and powerful. So what I felt to do, I could, I could quote a ton of scriptures to you, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share a few stories about how God's word has impacted me. Can I make it real? Let's make it real this morning. How he has brought life into me, how he has exposed lies that I believe, how he has corrected me, and how he's changed my thinking so that I think more like him. I would like for you to turn to Habakkuk 3. It's a weird little book in about almost the middle of your Bible. Habakkuk 3, we're going to have it up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. I have this verse, um, verse 17 through 19. I have this verse underlined. I have certain words circled. And then um, in my Bible, I have a, a blank space to the end of the page, and I filled it with a comment, and I'm going to read those to you this morning. First of all, let's read the Word of God. Before I do, not long after Ralph and I were married, we found out that we could not have children. And I can still remember when he stood up and he read and preached from this verse. So hear the word of the Lord. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength because <clears throat> he makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights, and the Message Bible adds, I then feel like I'm king of the mountain. <clears throat> this is one of Ralph's and my, I call it inheritance words. An inheritance word is a scripture that God personally speaks into your life, into your heart, to carry you through different seasons. This is our scripture. And maybe it's a lot of your scripture, too. And may I, maybe after today, it will become your scripture. I'm going to read the comment that I have here now. This scripture starts off with the words, even though. And then it makes a list of negative things that have happened. No blossoms. No beauty. No fruit. Failure, empty, barren, no life, die. Those are the words 
that are in that scripture. And then I wrote this. Even though monthly, Ralph and I have heard the word no to the deepest desires of our hearts to have children. Even though we have watched our efforts, our attempts at bringing people to Jesus sometimes fail. Even though people we love die. Even though some of our dreams have died. Yet. Which means nevertheless. Which means over and above all this negative stuff. Which means in spite of it. We will rejoice in the Lord. In spite of these circumstances, we will be joyful in the God who saved us. In spite of these circumstances, he is our strength. He makes us sure-footed in our journey of life. He makes us able to walk above it all because Jesus alone is enough. I've said this before. I found out when I tried to be really angry at God and keep my arm out and say, because you haven't given us children, then I'm going to keep you at a distance. And I found out, you know what? I, I can live without children, but I cannot live without him. I cannot live without him. The word of God is alive. And the word of God is powerful. I want to encourage you to write in your Bibles. I want you to put dates next to scriptures that touch your heart. Put question marks next to scriptures you don't understand. I do that all the time. And then I go back and look at a Bible and go, oh, I now know the answer to that. Some of the questions I will never know the answer to. That's okay. Put a person's name next to a verse so you can pray that truth over their life. If you are a parent a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, if you have friends, your Bible should be filled with their names where you're praying truth over them. Fill your Bible with writings and comments, dates. Fill it up. And always try to read God's word in the first person. Put your name in it. Take God's word personal. I'm going to give you an example. Let's start with Genesis 1, the very first verse in the entire Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, his word went out, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. That's a beautiful scripture. Okay, let's make it real now. Go to the next screen. This is how I put it. I write in my Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and Susie. You need to put your name in there. Susie was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep part of her. And the Spirit of God was hovering over her. Then God said, let there be light. And the light turned on and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then God separated the light from the darkness. 
That literally happened to me in December of 1973 when Jesus changed my darkness into light and I gave him my life. (laughs) The word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. There may be some of you sitting here this morning and you might be feeling empty and you might be feeling formless and you might be feeling dark. I can tell you without any doubt that God's spirit is hovering over you. And he's just waiting for you to just turn just a tiny little bit. And he will speak a word. And when he speaks a word, Ralph used to say he doesn't think of gold and go, okay, gold. He just says gold and it's there. God speaks a word over your life and darkness is gone. And the light of Jesus Christ comes in. And because I have this verse underlined and I have dates next to it and I have my name in it, it's a constant reminder of his goodness and grace in my life. When I'm reading the Bible and it says you or our or we, I put me, 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 I, I, I. I make it personal. God, you're speaking to me because your word is alive and powerful. So when I finally turned to Jesus in my 20s, I had some major broken areas in my life. And God was relentless working over time to try to put me back together whole. The number one area that I struggled with after giving my life to Jesus was that I found it totally unbelievable that someone could really love me. Love me. Not use me not abuse me, not manipulate me, not only take and never give. And to love me unconditionally, that was really, really far-fetched. My perspective was when I was a good girl, my family and my church and God loved me. And when I was a naughty girl, My family and my church and my God didn't love me. That was my perspective. And the problem was I have a naughty streak. I was always naughty. I was always messing up. I was always doing something wrong. Something would come out of my mouth, an attitude of my heart. And my perspective was even though Jesus is in my life, I know I'm still a bad girl. Because I knew better than anyone what I was really like inside. I knew my addiction triggers. I knew I didn't just have anger, but I could go into rage. I knew I had an unwillingness to forgive. And I was especially stubborn and independent. And I don't care what people think. And nobody's going to be the boss of me. but I couldn't believe that he could love me. And I loved Ralph. And I couldn't believe he loved me. We had been married for 10 years before God broke this in me. We had this really strange, unhealthy pattern 
where Ralph would say, I love you, sweetheart. And I'd say, no, you don't. And he goes, Susie, I love you. No, you don't, Ralph. If you really knew me, you wouldn't love me for 10 years. Now, there were times when I had been a good girl and I could say, I love you too. I know you do today. I love you too. But there was this non-ending negative thing coming out of me of, no, you can't love me. And then I can still visualize it. He's coming down the stairs from our bedroom. I'm going up the stairs to the bedroom. And he says, love you, sweetheart. And I'm walking by and I go, no, you don't. And I, and I, I didn't say it biting, but it was very serious. No, you don't. And I got to the landing and God stopped me in my tracks. And I heard a whisper in my spirit say, that man would die for you. And it broke through all the lies. And I called Ralph upstairs. I can remember we sat on the waterbed. That says how long ago it was. <laughs> we sat on the waterbed and I said, Ralph, will you forgive me? I am so sorry that I have refused to allow you to love me. God told me you would die for me. And his reaction was he started to cry. And we had a little Jesus meeting. <laughs> and the very next day, I read this scripture. Let's go to Romans 8, 34. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing can ever separate me from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither my fears for today nor my worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate me from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. And in case nothing's not covered, it says, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to se separate me from the fact that what? Jesus loves me. That verse is in the Bible. And because I have fallen in love with his words, I know from his love letters to me that we cannot do anything to make God love us more. He's just crazy in love with us. And you can't do anything to make him love you less. And that was the thing I was believing a lie about. You can't do anything that can make him Love you less because he's just crazy in love with you. And I'm so grateful that I also found in his word where it says, he does not punish us according to our sins. He does not deal harshly with me as I deserve. Isn't it wonderful we don't get what we deserve? His love, I want you to know it. And you will discover it when you read his word. Because the word of God is alive and powerful. It was after that 10-year period when I really started getting into the Bible. I started reading it because I needed to find life. I knew I had stinking thinking. <laughs> Especially about myself. And I knew enough word. And if you have a lot of negative self-talk, 
there is nothing like God's word to clean that up. And I begin to proclaim, God, only you get to tell me who I am. Ralph doesn't get to tell me. My parents don't get to tell me. My family doesn't get to tell me. Society doesn't get to tell me. The enemy doesn't get to tell me. I don't get to tell me who I am. Only you get to tell me who I am. And then I went, ah, but I don't know if that's Bible. And then I went to Genesis 126. Let's put that up. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is the very first chapter in the Bible. God's original intent, his original design, his perfect intent was that each of us would be made in the image he was thinking about for us. He told creation who they were. He told Adam and Eve who they were. The problem was that Adam and Eve didn't believe God. They questioned his word. And that made them question his character. They believed a lie about who God was. And because they believed a lie about who God was, then they believed a lie about who they were. If you are not into his word and you're having some confusion about who you are, I can almost guarantee it's because you don't know all you need to know about who God says you are. We are not very different from Adam and Eve, are we? I don't know why it's easier to believe lies. It just seems to be easier. But it's only by his word that you will find out the truth. Many people say it's either this bad experience or this good experience or all of these experiences that have made me into the person that you see today. For me, that is bullpucky. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of plain, but that's what <laughs> how I feel about it. None of my experiences have made me into what you see today for maybe chocolate, that kind of, you know, has made me into what you see. <laughs> None of my experience have made me into what you see today. God has been creating me in his image in spite of my experiences, in spite of them. Do you know that millions of people have gone through similar experiences as me? And whether you realize it or not, millions of people have gone through difficult experiences like you. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. But what makes you you, I want you to really get this, what allows you to be free to be who you were born to be are not your experiences. It's a fact that God is making you into his image. He has a dream for you. And I'm just going to add this little parenthesis here. <laughs> it's the same for Legacy Church. We love and respect and try to honor everybody that walks in the door. But nobody, not even Pastor Ralph and I, get to tell Legacy who she is. We will hit a very hard wall that God puts up if we try to do that. 
we are constantly asking God, God, who do you say that this church is? And then we lean in really hard with all our might into the image that he's showing us. We're constantly praying, God, who do you say we are? The word of God is alive and powerful. Lori, go ahead and come up. The one thing that's really cool about the Bible, um, I don't know if any of you have read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Um, they have it for married couples. They have it for singles and teens and kids. Um, one of the love languages is words of affirmation, which, by the way, I think God has all the love languages. He's just off the chart with all of them. But if you need words of affirmation, this book is full of them. Can I just speak to the men just real quick? If you read your Bible, God will tell you how to handle all of your relationships with honor. Your family, your wife, your children, your relatives, your co-workers. He will tell you how to handle them all. It's in the book. Your finances, it's in the book. Women, you won't know the image he has for you, his dreams for you, unless you read your Bible. Male or female, you won't know your true purpose if you don't read his words of affirmation. This is a love letter to you. There's a scripture, see if I can quote it. I'm really bad at addresses or where they are. Um, for all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I read that for years and years and years and years. And then one day I was really struggling. God, I don't know my purpose. And he says, Susie, read that again. Called according to whose purpose? His purpose. If you're struggling with your purpose, if you connect with his word and his Holy Spirit, he will tell you his purpose for you. And it's greater than anything you can think or imagine. The word of God is alive and powerful. The next screen says, your goal for reading the Bible, God's word, is simply this, knowing and enjoying Jesus. Don't make it into something hard. Just have fun with it. It's just knowing and enjoying Jesus. Okay. <laughs> As we get ready to close here, I, I've got a little bit of instruction for you. Um, back in this corner, we call it our prayer corner. Our prayer team is going to be back there. If you have anything you need prayer for, don't hesitate to go back there while we're singing a song or after the end of the service. I've also put out a lot of Bibles. Take one. If you find you're stuck in reading God's word, go back there and get a free Bible. If you've never had a Bible before, go back and get a Bible. There's some devotions back there. There's a little book. You're a brand new follower of Jesus. Get more and we'll order more. And then as you leave, the greeters, we're going to have some at both doors here, are going to give you the prayer that we're about to pray right before we sing. Can we put that prayer up on the board, please? I want you to read this every time before you read your Bible. Let's read it aloud together. Open my eyes, Lord, as I turn to your word. 
I admit that sometimes reading your words are challenging for me, but I want more. I long to know you in a deeper way. I long to know your dreams and purpose for my life. I long to know, excuse me, I long for you to change any lies I'm believing about you into truth. Examine me. Create a clean heart in me. I give you permission to change me. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. The word of God is alive and powerful. We're going to sing a celebratory song. And when Lori's done singing, Sophia, I need my little prayer partner here to just close the uh, service in prayer. Get a Bible. Be prayed for. Get a handout as you walk out. Let's go ahead and sing,
you're springing up a well in us and there's nothing that can stop this joy. Let this flow out of us. And then everyone that we come in contact with this week have a taste of what's coming out of the well in us that is your love, your goodness, and your unstoppable joy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, you guys can be excused. Have a wonderful week.